A shout of praise in this house. Come on. You can do better than that. Lift up your voice. Father, we just bless you this morning. Lord, we give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. Father, we thank you that we're alive. We thank you, Father God, we're called, chosen, set apart. Father, we thank you. The universe cannot contain you, but we can. So, Father, we pray for our neighbor. Father, we thank you that we can come together with one heart, one mind, one accord. Somebody say amen. amen. Do you believe this morning, church? Turn to your neighbor and go, I believe, brother. I believe, sister. Welcome to the house. And let's put our hands together for the Lord. Please take a seat. And as you take a seat, again, greet your neighbor to the left and to the right of you. Welcome them to the house of destiny. Yeah, okay. Turn to your neighbor and go, welcome to the house. It is good to have you here. And um, we're going to wave out to our tamariki. We have a beautiful kids um, church. That um, lovely people that volunteer and take care of all your children. Isn't that awesome? But again, um, if you're here for the first time, no my heart am I welcome to Destiny Church, Iwi Tapu here in the Hawke's Bay. Church, let's put our hands together for them. And as you're clapping, turn to neighbor and say, this is for you too, brother, sister. Sometimes you just got to cheer on someone. You know what? And if you need cheering up today, this is the best place for you. Um, you know, at the end of the day, if no one's cheering you on, guess what you can do? You can cheer yourself on. You can look in the mirror and go, no one else has said this to you today, but you're the best. So turn to them and go, hey, I don't know if anyone said this, but you're the best. Turn to them, say it, and um, Genesis, my son, can you get my Bible in the truck? Thank you. The Bible's still in the truck, but hey, welcome to the house. How are you going? How's your week, church? Good old, quiet, speechless, eh? I'll take the silence for speechless. <laughs> but you know what? Um, again, it's, you know, nothing like being in the house of God, together with the people of God, to hear the word of God, so that you can get more God in you, more faith in you, and uh, go out there and attack the rest of your week. And you know, I've been doing this for myself now 20 years. Um, it's a favorite habit of mine to always come to the house. The Bible says, never forsake the gathering of the saints. I can't even be away from you guys, even if I want to. Sometimes I want to, but just that's my flesh. But I can't help but show up. Does that happen to you today? Turn to neighbor and go, gee, I can't help but show up. I just can't help but be here. Thank you, sir. Thank you, son. And you know, um, man, it's a great habit. It's probably one of the best habits you'll ever develop is to get on your Sunday best, as the old saying goes, to wake up your children, husbands, wake up your wife, or wife, wake up your husband, tell each other to put, take your pajamas off. Who here wears pajamas, by the way? Right. Yeah, sorry, I gave that up ages ago. Um, don't ask me what I wear, but anyway. Um, you know, nothing like being in the house. Um, and I just want to encourage you, keep going. Right now, in this day and age, and the Bible even says it, and God says it, through his Bible, through the word, is that in latter days, many will forsake the doctrine. They'll give themselves to doctrine of demons, the Bible says, where they no longer think they've got to come to church, come under authority, connect with people that sometimes, hey, let's face it, some people in the church may not be your cup of tea, but like what the apostle said the other week, I may not be a cup of tea, but I'm your cup of coffee. And if you don't like that, I'm your cappuccino. So turn to your name and go, may not be my cup of tea, actually. No, you're not. You're not my cup of tea. 
but you're my cappuccino. Someone saying, my hot stuff. Well, okay. Hope you're married. No, no, no. You all right, church? I thought I'd uh, put some smile on your face. I was going to say smile on your dial, but that's terrible. Terrible to say that. Let me just get my notes out. Um, what a cool week it's been. You know, um, Freedoms New Zealand polled this week, uh, just under 1%. That's pretty good, eh, for two weeks now. Two weeks. If you don't know um, what Freedom New Zealand is, uh, that's the political party umbrella that our apostle has birthed, whom he is leading, the party co-leading with Sue Gray, believe her name is, and uh, they've been going up all and down the country. Uh, three nights a week, three days a week, Tuesday to Thursday, every week, for the, right now, all the way to, um, uh, when is it? Elections. They're pumping it up and down the country. And then they go back up to Auckland, and then they hit their region on a Saturday. That's some pretty hardcore zeal, eh? Someone say zeal. Not bad, eh, for some people that are in that 65 plus. Yeah, bro. Got 20, 30 years on some of us here. And don't get offended. And they're running circles around you. Oh, man, I'm offended. Anyway, let's carry on. What are we talking about? What are, what are we? Pastor? No, we're not talking about me. Um, what's our title? Our title is called, someone say zeal. Zeal for the church, for the cause, and for the kingdom. Zeal. What's zeal? Zeal's what, zeal's what you, well, I'll say it this way. You can tell someone that's full of zeal. You can tell someone that's full of zeal. What is zeal? Go to my definition here. Zeal is, it's a fanatic. They're fervent. They're on fire. They're over-enthusiastic. They're in their devotion, um, often extreme. They're fanatical. Anyone seen a fanatic? Remember that? Remember that talk? You're a fanatic. When I was young, that was the talk coming up. You're a fanatic. You know, there's a lot of guys now who can tell you all the stats on the players of the New South Wales team and the Queensland team. Or to the Warriors, Broncos, if you're there last night, they can tell you all the players, all the stats. They can even tell you how much that league or rugby player can bench press and squat. There's these fanatics that just go over the top. Do you know what I'm talking about? Over and above normal commitment. But that's not, we're not talking about... Um, Zeal for that stuff. That's cool. You can, you can always um, get into stuff. That's fine. God allows you to do that. That's your choice. But what I want to speak to you this morning is what God has put on my heart this week, and that's zeal for the church, for the cause, and for the kingdom. But let me take a couple of steps back. Anyone here know someone that's just overly passionate about a certain topic? You, you, you meet anyone? You know, I, when I was younger, a um, few of my friends, they knew everything about uh, what's the thing? I can pick five different topics. They knew everything about a 320B rotary and an RX-7 Batmobile Series 7. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, you're like, what the heck? Is that a scripture? That's not a scripture. But there are these guys that just know stuff. Or a, um, a Godzilla. Do you know what a Godzilla is? Back in the day, we used to try and drive cars fast. Don't, don't do that anymore, guys. But we used to be heavily... Addicted, pretty much that's what it sounds like. You're a fanatic about certain things. I got so um, consumed with Evo Zeros and Evos, I studied the, the VIN numbers and the engine numbers. This okay? I'm just giving you an example. And whereby I knew how to change head gear. I wasn't a mechanic. I taught my wife, who was my girlfriend then, how to change engines out of Evo Zeros and this and that. And we used to do that on the weekends. 
we would change and put racing cams in it so it could be a lot more faster, which would take us 40 to 45 minutes to drive from Napier to Tobol. Is this all right? This, I'm not condoning that. Yeah, my wife beat me by five minutes. Terrible. Oh, what's that got to do with zeal in the church? Uh, I'll make it fit. <laughs> no, but we used to, you understand what I'm saying? Ever been uh, so much um, on five or something that it just consumed you? All your spare money will go into it. Hey, remember that, wife? Forever. I'd go to work. I'd have the meanest shoes, and that's about it. So I didn't care for T-shirts or shorts, and I'd have all my money will go into my car parts. Um, Blow-off valves, different size turbos. I had about three different turbos for each car. We had three Evo Zeros back then, and I was just a fanatic. I was just consumed by it. Don't ask me about it now, but I can tell you anything about how to set up your Evo Zero for drifting, rallying, and drag racing. Everything. Why? Because I was consumed by it. I'd have a look at the, I'd even get into gear ratios. You're probably wondering, what's that talking about? Transmission types in a car set up for certain things. A car has a power band. Everyone's like, we're coming to church to learn about cars. Every car or vehicle has a power band. It has a band or rev range where it has maximum power. Uh, you probably know when you guys are ringing out, and the car loses power, you're out of the power band. You've got to change gear so you're back in the power band, then it picks up again. And when you launch, you hold the revs at the right power band so the car just goes boom, and it chucks you through forward. Eh? Very exhilarating. Very exhilarating. And those people who can operate a vehicle really well know how to keep the vehicle in the power band. But what's this got to do with zeal? As you can tell, I was overly zealous. This is going back decades, 20 years plus, on the sub subject of cars. More accurately, aftermarket, high-performance, fast forward and turbo. This? Okay, whoo, let's talk about a different topic. You know what I mean? But I was a fanatic about it. I, you know, we'd do stuff like even on Gran Turismo, we would tweak our cars to the right gear range and everything. Me and my cousin and my brother, Daniel, we were so hugely sucked into this thing. We were fans. You know, we could tell you straight away by listening to your car how well it's going to go. You get to that level. <laughs> I lost that ear, but anyway, the, you get to such a level of study and in-depth in the topic, it just consumes you. This is... And so you even start doing stuff where you rock up to strangers. Bro, just look at your car. You're like, what the heck is this? this you know what I'm talking about? That's what I mean, right? Because look, flick the bonnet up, make friends. Next minute you're at his house trying to tell him how to do his car. Someone say zeal. I remember this. This was about 17 to maybe 21, just before I came into the church. Very zealous about um, racing and stuff like that. Wasn't really good at it, was just consumed by it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Ever met anyone that's just consumed by a topic? Think about them, all they talk about is that topic. All they talk about is motorbikes, or it may not be motorbikes, it might be gardening. They can tell you all the different varieties of plants. Anyone? You, not those plants. This is how you grow the orange. Oh, oh is that it? And the purple one. The silver purple. Oh, no, sorry. Turn to your neighbor and go, welcome to the house. Well, I don't know what our pastor's talking about, but it'll click. Someone say zeal. And so I had zeal for that. There was another thing I used to be zealous. I'm using my example, myself as an example. 
so I don't offend you or stay an example I could pull from. Um, another one was, I was, actually, no, let's come back to this one here. Everyone know Michael Phelps? Michael Phelps. The, um, he won the most gold medals, eh? How many medals did he win? I've lost, eh? 20, eh? Close to 20? 18. That's close to 20. You don't get that level of results by being average. And so Michael Phelps, I did a little bit of study. He, um, he started swimming at seven. He had a national record at the age of 10. Okay, and he used to train. He was in the pool four hours a day from the age of 11 to 16. That's pretty hardcore on top of your normal life. What's this got to do with me? Let me show you, it's got everything to do with you. And so he was zealous for it. There's another lady, she's quite muscly. Her name's Simone Biles, the gymnast, you know her? Yeah, she was pumping too. All these key high performers were zealous and fanatical about their craft, about their pursuit. Whatever they did, they just consumed them, you know, four hours. Can you imagine that, putting in four hours over the top of your work commitment, life, family, another four hours into something? That's a level of zeal. So we're talking today about zeal for the church, for the cause and the kingdom. We're going to go to 1 Samuel, uh, chapter 17, verse 28 to 29. And it'll come up on the screen if you don't have a Bible, that's cool. It's 1 Samuel 17, 28 to 29, and this is what it reads. We're actually going to follow one of the most zealous men in the Bible. He was so zealous that the last time God ruled and reigned was because of this man. He was more zealous than a lot of others. And I'm not putting down the others. I'm just saying what this guy here did. And his name's David. Let's read. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. So this was David who was chatting with the guys. And Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and your insolence and your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Someone say, is there not a cause? Key question, our why? What's it got to do with zeal? I'll show you. What's your why? David was there because of his why. His why got him there. He actually, you know, he was asking about taking out Goliath. What happens if you take out Goliath? What's going to happen? And his older brother picked up on his chat. And so he started to kind of question him. Why are you here? We can be zealous for things that actually don't matter. And you're allowed to do that. But some of the key things you want to be zealous for that matters is God. And why he has you here. Because at the end of the day, and one of those songs, I am um, birthed by the creator. My origins in him. Oh, it's actually in his word. My origin's his word. Your original plan always comes from God. So you can be uh, into this, into that, into this sport, into this craft, into whatever. Maybe you like this career or this and that. And that's cool. But I want to challenge you and encourage you about, do you know why you're here? Are you into the reason why you're here? Are you into the reason why God has you here? Has you alive? Has given you uh, the lifestyle you have? And some, that might be challenging for some of us because some of the lifestyle we may have now or have had in the past might have made us question God. Why? Why this? Why that? But let's come back to this. David said something. 
What have I done now? Is there not a cause? Brother, I know my why. I know why I keep doing what I do. Don't you worry about me. This is David to Eliab. Don't you know? Don't you know why I'm here? Turn to your neighbor and go, don't you know? <laughs> don't you know? <laughs> Cheeky, eh? Don't you know? Church, you have a unique purpose, a unique mandate from God on your life. Isn't that awesome? You cannot do the person next to you. Um, that'll be funny. We call those people impersonators. Ever seen an impersonator? Some people are good at it. Eh? They can do the same um, what do you call it? voice, the same act, the same facial. Have you ever tried to impersonate someone? I have for a laugh. But you're not a copy, church. You're an original. And so part of your originality is you have a unique cause, a unique purpose that you can do. And I know sometimes we think that, oh, heck, I don't know what that is. Good. That's why you're here this morning. That's why you dig deep in your prayer time. That's why you go to Man Up Legacy or come to church or whatever you get involved in with God. That's why you do that, so you can find out your cause. So then when you show up and someone goes to you, why are you here? You can say to them, don't you know why I'm here? No. You can say to them, is there not a cause? Someone say a cause. And so these three things we want to talk about this morning, the cause, the church, the cause, and the kingdom. At being zealous for those things. No one's more concerned about your blessing more than you, church. Everyone in the church wants you to succeed, but, you know, um, before they want you to succeed, and it's just right, they've got to take care of their own success. We say it like this, power in my house. How can I help someone else's, you know, help them in their backyard when I haven't done my own stuff? And so for us, each and every single one of us are born for a cause. We're born for a purpose. We're here for a specific part and the big picture of what God has. Most of us know this. Um, a lot of us focus on it. Some of us forget it. Heck, heck you, know, you know what I mean? Maybe it's been a whole week before you thought about it from last Sunday to now. I don't know. Maybe you've been actually uh, intention and intentional and every day you're in prayer and you're writing down your course, Lord, I'm here for this, and you're, you're really focused. You know what I mean? It's up to you. Totally up to you. Someone say, up to me. Having zeal, like I gave you an example about how I was with cars, when I, learned, when I gave my heart to Christ, there's nothing would ever take the place of Christ in my life. Not no 4G63 uh, TDO5 Turbo. You just don't know what that is. Okay, awesome. <laughs> that's, the, that's the engine number with the turbo number. That will never take the place of J-E-S-U-S point five. No, Jesus, anyway. Just seeing if you're listening. Nothing will take the place. Someone says you. Let's carry on. So, do you know why you're here? It's very encouraging and attractive when you have a man or woman that's dead set on their cause. That they're burning with a cause. That they go over and above. That they go the extra mile. Nothing like seeing someone who's who's super proficient at their job or at whatever there is. Um, do you know what I mean? Whether it's building a house or an artist. Ever seen an artist? Man, I've seen some amazing artists. And then I've seen some terrible ones. That's not your gift, Naz. Got to work on it. Now, the artist wasn't great off the bat. He had to spend some time. Or her, they had to take some time. You all know this. But they had to work their 
their zeal or their passion. All right. Okay, so David. Someone say David. David knew his cause. David knew the battle he was called for. How did he know that, Pastor? How did David actually, that's a good question, eh? How do you actually know your cause? How do you actually know your purpose? How do you actually know? We do touch on this in Man Up and Legacy and in the church. There's a few key ways. One of it's by connection. Some say connection. My associations. That'll help you sometimes. Okay, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, if you're going to be a generally, and this is cliche as, really cliche, Generally, someone who's doing good for the community, um, you know, is a great leader or is going somewhere, hangs with people that are the same. If you're going somewhere, you hang out with people that are going somewhere. If you're going nowhere, you hang out with nowhere. How, how does that work, eh? I've changed cities I don't know how many times, and um, depending on my mindset will determine who I attract or who I hang out with. Before I came to Christ, we switched towns. Not even in a day, I was hanging out with all the druggies and the alcoholics. And it just happened. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Go to work, and all of a sudden, the brother, come for a ride. Oh, yep. Well, in the wrong thing. Do you know what I'm talking about? So association. So David, his associations helped him with his calls. Well, who did he associate with? Pastor. He associated with God. There's a book in there called the Psalms. He wrote rap battles to him. That's what I call it. He wrote songs, Psalms to God. He associated with God all the time. He hung out with God. He pulled from the Spirit. He opened his heart. He did those things. And I'm not saying no one does that or we don't do it. But it's a key if you want to know your purpose and the cause that God has for you. Who do you associate with? Firstly, associate with God. Forget Facebook. Forget your TikTok. Forget your whatever talk, LinkedIn, whatever, forget that. Forget Netflix, forget that. Still pay the bill though, but forget Spotify. Sometimes turn the musical and just be by yourself. You and God and start to associate and start to go, Lord, why am I here? Show me why I'm here. Start to say those prayers like, man, I've been through some stuff. I'm not here for nothing. Someone say, I'm not here for nothing. David went through so much things, he knew. He knew he was born for a cause. Church, you are born for a cause. He hung out with God. That's awesome. Tip number one, hang out with God. Tip number two, David set his heart for the cause. As you can tell, he was talking about it. He rocked up to the battle. He didn't see Goliath and um, his nation of Israel at war. He saw that, but he saw through it. He saw his cause through it. That's why he's zealous. This is the man, this is the young man, actually. It says he's around 16, 17. He wasn't even like an adult, guys, guys and girls. He was a youth, and he had the ability to see his cause through this whole thing. And so point number two, what was that? Develop your heart. Let your time with God work on your heart. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you want to hold grudges. Sometimes you want to cling on to things. It's a good word last week, eh? Scars. Stars, we want to hold on to our scars. You're never going to get rid of your scars, but you can heal from them and move on. And they can be stars for others, as we spoke about last week. But let's come back to this zealous. So David built a zeal for God. He wrote songs to him. If you actually go and read Psalms, there's a lot of songs, man. Anyone here written a song before? 
and just start writing again. I prophesy, someone in here, write some songs. Amen. Amen. So, someone says zeal. So David was overly zealous for the cause to a point that it didn't matter what was coming against him. It didn't matter what was standing in front of him. He was always going to knock that thing down. Anyone ever been like that before? Have you ever been in a position where it doesn't matter what comes your way, it's not going to stop you? Everyone? All of us have been there, eh? Have you ever done it for the wrong things? Yep. I need to go and find a tinny shop, and I don't even have money, and that's not going to stop me. You all know that. I've got some credit. Tick up some more. Yeah. How can we do that for the bad things? I want the latest Ford Ranger. But I don't have any money, but you figure out how to do it. Someone say zeal. You're acting out a little bit of, what did I say? Um, extra devotion. <laughs> You're acting out some extra devotion. Is this all right? Why not to the things of God? Okay, better move on. John chapter 2, verse 13 to 17. Wow, that scripture is pulling up. And I look at our apostle. He shows the same level of zeal. 40 years, man, actually more than that. He's championing, and he's now 65, and he's doing this three-day-a-week thing. So he's got the big events every night, plus about when I had, when the apostle was here, we had stacked up 10 meetings in the day from 8 o'clock, boom, all the way to, I think, 5, 5.30. Had enough time to go home, have a shower, get rest, get ready about 40 minutes, then straight into the night meeting, then straight into a meeting after that. That's zeal. That's passion. That's over and above. That's a phonetic. That's the example. Let's carry on. John chapter, you right, church? John chapter 2, verse 13, 17. Just on a side note. Um, can I say this? Just turn to name and just go, watch out, he might hurt your heart. Just do that before I say this. So it's not a joke. <laughs> it's not a joke. This is for real. If your life sucks, change it. <laughs> okay. Just felt like saying that. Yeah. That's got that off my heart, Lord. Amen. All right. Honestly. But my life sucks, change it. Pastor, but my life sucks. Change it. But my life sucks. Well then don't change it. Yeah, see, my life sucks. Some people, eh? Hey. Anyway, this is our topic. All right, John chapter 2, verse 13 and 17, I'll read this. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand. Passover is when they remember what God had done. When, uh, anyway, we'll come back to that next week. What God had done for the Jewish people. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And he found in the temple those who sold oxen, sheep, and doves, and money changers doing business. When he had made a whip of cords, somebody say a whip. Our Lord and Savior made torture weapons. A whip. Wonder how. Can you imagine him plaiting in like little razor blades? No? Okay. Doesn't say. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and oxen and poured out the changers' money and overturned the tables. So he flipped the tables. He made a scene. Someone say he made a scene. He made a scene. The holy of holies, prince of peace, uh, wonderful, what else? what else do we call him? King of kings, lord of lords. Uh, the firstborn, the only begotten, he made a scene. Anyone here made a scene before? <laughs> whoo, pastor, this is Hastings. Oh, whoo, 
Shortland Street, hey? Oh, man. Can I tell you about this, this scene I had just walked into? I was walking across the, um, the hospital. What do you call it? The thing you... Pedestrian crossing. I was walking across the pedestrian crossing. And there was this mobster and this black power. Both had ankle watches on, eh? Shouldn't even be in there. And they were like... Like it was... I don't know what sort of fighting that was. But they were having to go at each other. And their, their girlfriends were there. Their girlfriends were tougher than them, guys. Like, one of the girls I know, she was, like, punching the other chick hard. I was like, oi, oi, trying to tell her to stop it. Had my man-up gears on. But I walked into this scene. This is midday. This is not nighttime. It's not early in the morning. Lunchtime, everyone's trying to, I was going over there to get me some hangi. So I'll go to my hangi shop, finish the meeting at the hospital. So, whoa. Walked into the scene. Anyone, you know what I mean? Oh. And I walked over, jumped in the middle. Bro, stop fighting, because I don't really get puffed up or anything. I just walk in, bro, just stop fighting. I end up mocking them, and the thing is, I'm terrible. Uh, and then, you know, the black power settled down. The mobster go, hey, he started pulling his chest back and shoulders back. It's like, whoa, you're going bigger, bro. <laughs> whoa, whoa, I'm going to smile. Bro, just jump in your car and leave. I want to smash it. Both of you look like you're in home detention. Let me guess, 200 hours. I just, I just started getting cheeky. Bro, go home before I ring the police on you. Are you a knock? Yeah, I will. Go home. And I, you know, I just entered into the scene. One of them, and the chick I knew. And I just grabbed it. Oh, yeah. She was vicious, man. She was beating. She could have beat up both of those gang members, actually. And uh, my heart goes out to her at the moment. But um, I went, Oi, can you tell your boyfriend to calm down? And he looked at me. Oh, you know her. I know her whole family. She goes, Oh, sorry, Mike. Yeah. How's dad? Good, sweet. Jump in the car and go home. Take your tough gang member. Actually, can you slap him? Give him some slaps for me. Just calm down. And anyway, had a chat to the black power, got him into man up, calmed him down, told him he's in the wrong town. So, bro, you're in the wrong place, brother. You can be anywhere, but you got a big yo over there, over there, over there. Right in the sunlight in the middle of Omahu Road where you're all there, gang. <laughs> so, you're in the wrong place, bro. You're creating a terrible scene for yourself. Helped him. He, he shot off. What's the point of that? That's a normal day in Hastings, eh? Anyone been to the laundromat before? <laughs> Why does everyone laugh here? Everyone's like, what is this community? <laughs> Go to the laundromat on payday. Or actually the day before payday. Go to the laundromat. Which one? These are like five. Still for Lodge. If you want a scenario in your life and a bit of excitement, you don't need to do drugs. Just, just go down there. In fact, you'll go, oh, I'm not doing drugs ever again. Look, <laughs> Oh, my goodness. There's some funny. This is way of, what are we talking about? Someone say scenarios. I don't even know how we got there. Making a, oh, yeah. Jesus was making a scene. It was similar to that. You would have walked in the church and oh, Tackle Jesus. He's pushing the tables over. He made a whoop. He's whooping the ushers. This is, everyone say, everyone say, my Lord and Savior. He was making a scene in church. Fool, you expect those scenes at the laundromat and at the thing, but in the church? Why did he do that? He was passionate about God's house. He was so zealous. Whanau, he was prepared to make a scene in church. 
Oh, man, that's, that's some zeal right That's out the gate, but that's some zeal right there. But let's carry on reading. And he said to those who sold doves, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Then everyone, eh? everyone gets offended at this. But we're selling books and T-shirts at the church. We're selling tickets to conference. Just, just playing with your mind there. Don't be religious, man. But anyway, that's not what he's talking about. Then his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house has eaten me up. Jesus, he's the ultimate example. He was so zealous for you, for the church, he gave his life for it. He, he put his reputation on the line. He didn't care what, what anyone else thought about him. Although he did, because he would often ask, who do others say I am? But there was something else to get an insight, to get your insight. But let's come back to this. What are we talking about? Jesus was a fanatic. That's a fanatic, eh? Can you imagine? Do you have the guts to go to church and go, oi, make a whoop, start whipping the ushers? That's what he did. Start, start going to conference, flip the tables. Stop selling conference tickets. This, okay, he's talking to religious people. This is the level he was at. I'm not saying go to conference and do that. But he was not ashamed. His zeal consumed him so much, he didn't care. Man, that's our superhero right there, Jesus Christ. Jesus demonstrated an example that our zeal is fine towards God. What? So I'm allowed to make a whoop? No, no, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that when you're overly zealous, passionate, over hugely, over above and beyond level of devotion, there's some things that, um, <laughs> I shouldn't say this, you can get away with. Okay. Let's go all over the place here. Someone say passionate. So, church. Yeah. Jesus was so passionate and full of zeal that he gave his life for the people. He gave his life for you. Out of zeal and passion and love. That's great. I think we need to pray sometimes, church, to keep our zeal levels up, to increase them. It's okay to have a down season, a down day, and this and that, but also experience an up day. Experience some zealous days where you can't even close your mouth because you want to tell everyone about your man up, your legacy, the church, or whatever God's doing with you and around you. Just like the apostle, every meeting we had, it was all stacked up. And he was winning votes. It was, it was awesome experience, actually. Every time I, I, I humbled myself, and I'm so privileged, every single meeting we went to, all 10, we won all their votes. And we didn't even talk about voting much. We were just having laughs. Half the time he was mocking them. And I was backing them up. It was funny. We were bullying some pastors, bullying community leaders. And when you say bullying, you're like, what? what is, not bullying, but we were getting cheeky. We're getting real cheeky. We try to recruit Hinaleo O'Keefe uh, as our Māori candidate. That didn't work. So we try to get him married. We try to remarry him. That was funny. These are the things. Your kingdom life isn't boring. Don't, don't, don't think it's boring. But I'll come to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Tie this all in. Oh. Flying. And then we'll do some stuff. 
Matthew 6.33, real easy. It's one of my favorite scriptures. I know it off by heart, but I'll throw it up there. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So pastor, we're talking about, pastor's talking about zeal for the church, the cause, the kingdom. When you put those things in your life as priority, this thing kicks in. Seek first what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You put God first, he knows how to get you what you need to succeed, to flourish, not just survive, but to thrive. I had some chats this week with someone, and he's just trying to survive. He goes, man, pastor, I'm just trying to live. I felt so sorry for him. I was happy that he was getting somewhere, but there's more to life than just trying to live. There's a level of thriving you get to. We start to go into blessing. You start to go into prosperity, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, family, career, health. You start to go into a place where you're not at negative 100 anymore. You're at positive 100. You know what I mean? You're, you've crossed the line. And, but let's come back to this. Yeah. When you put God first, everything comes to you. Don't chase things that were not meant to. Don't put... Um, Things in the place of God that you shouldn't. Or people in the place of God that you shouldn't. Or this and that. At the end of that, it's your choice. But when you put God first, everything realigns. My wife is not first in my life. I love my wife, but I love God first. Now everyone's like, whoa, that's first love. That first love has changed my heart, changed my life, helped with the church, this and that. That doesn't mean I don't love my wife. In fact, let's go deeper. By loving God accurately, that makes me a better husband. Definitely a better father. Yeah, if I didn't love God, I'd, I think I'd be a terrible father, a uh, terrible husband, terrible person. Not terrible, just not as good. Does that make sense? And so when you put God first, it realigns your whole life, realigns your financial situation. It may not be what you think you should have or this and that, but God knows what you need. God knows how to get you to the next level. He knows how to get the things that you need to have in your life to challenge you, to grow you, to develop your character, to get you ready to go to the next stage. God knows very well how to do that. He knows far better than Google, far better than TikTok, far better than your course at EIT, far better than what your boss says, far better than, heck, even better than what I know. Which is pretty, no. Do you, you understand? Just a side note here. So put God first. This is my favorite scripture. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And everything I want in my life will come to me. I was just on stage. Do you, are you enjoying my guitaring? Bit of a self-promo, Jake. I was on the stage going, Jake, far Jake. I never practice on my guitar. The next time I'll see my guitar is next Sunday. That's happened for the last... Since I don't know how long. But in my early days, I was practicing my guitar all the time. Hours, two hours a day back then, had to gauge it, two hours. I haven't practiced since, since I first bought that guitar. I practiced for a day, that was it. What am I saying? I'm not saying I'm a great guitarist. What I'm, I'm not saying that Holy Spirit takes over my fingers. I could say that, eh? that would have sounded choice. Whoa, how's he doing? Holy Spirit. 
But I'm real. Uh, yeah, no Holy Spirit there, guys. What am I saying? All my early years, 20 years ago, when I used to first joined the worship team, um, was two hours a day, five days a week at home, just jamming, singing to God, singing to God, playing. Got cramps and built this guitar muscle. If you're a seasoned guitarist, you'll know what I'm talking about. And so now, I really don't practice. I'm dead serious. I haven't seen my guitar since last Sunday. I come in for the warm-up. Yeah, that's us. You ask the team, what song are we doing today? Uh, this song. And I just learned it in five minutes. That's us. Is this, are you all right? You're like, wow, that's a show-off. I'm not showing off. I'm just trying to show, show you what happens when you're zealous for God. Later on in life, it's easy. It's easier. Um, but just while we're in there, I'm looking for a bass player, drummer, a pianist, and a guitarist to replace me. So, <laughs> so I don't have to not practice anymore. No. <laughs> no, no. What are we talking about? Someone say zeal. Zeal. Church, you do that thing right there, your marriage changes. The family changes. It all changes. It doesn't happen straight away. I'm 20 years. Still waiting for my family. No, no. Still waiting for me to get better. Come off that topic. But put first things first. All right. So we got those three scriptures. Someone say zeal. All right. Okay. So the church, the cause, and the kingdom. Well, what is that? Why should I be like that? That's part of your purpose. It's part of why you're born. Whether you're in rebellion, just showed up, just came back, coming and going and all over the place, or you've been here for longer than I have or whatever, that's a part of your purpose. That's a part of why you're born. Because when you die, you're going to stand in front of God and he's going to go, what did you, let's have a look. He'll pull out the records. Let's have a look at what you did for me. The gifts and talents I sowed into you. The personality I gave you. The mission that I charged you with to go make disciples and impact your region and this and that. I needed you to get with this person so you could birth these children. All this and that. All sorts. Of, I don't know. I'm not God. But I know we're going to give an account. And so I want to encourage you, church. You want to go to the grave knowing you did your best. Knowing that you tapped out. One of my, one of, we used to have a drummer. Actually, since we're talking about music. Um, Stacy was her name. I was going to say Zeal. That's not her name. Stacy. And uh, I'm going to share the story. She, I met her as a youth in Auckland. And then when we moved to Auckland and came back here, I didn't, we didn't see her around much. She was sort of just on the fringes. But she came to Hawke's Bay. And when we first started the church, um, she fired up. She came along. Not that you judge. You know, let's be honest. You, can, you know people in the church that are doing well, not doing well. You're not judging. It's just their patterns, their behavior. You know, that happens. That's, that's the human part of us that we've got to work and develop in. But she hadn't been doing well. She was just cruising along and the things of God's not really engaged. She was hugely talented. And anyway, when, when we connected with her, someone say association. When she came into our association, she was firing. She was running a legacy and marae She was playing the drums. She was rapping. She started drawing, designing shoes and stuff like that. She was going hardcore. She was only young. She actually died not long after that, our drummer. She died um, serving God, serving her community, making a big give, uh, big contribution, big give back. And I was so proud of her. I was like, man, I'm so proud of this lady. Lord, I know when she dies, you're going to go. She, you know, she went to the grave 100 Ks an hour. She didn't fizzle out. She threw it all in. She wasn't perfect. 
Like I said, she had gone through some stuff. Stacy King, lovely young lady. Now, she was a mean rapper too, beat all you fellas. No, it's just a plug up. <laughs> but um, yeah, she, she went hard. What's the point of that? Well, we all say that, oh, one day I'll go hard for God, and one day I'll do this, and one day. But one day never comes. One day turns into wonder. I wonder. <laughs> turns into other things. And then, you know, at the end of the day, church, we all have the ability to make a choice. You can make a choice what you focus your energy on, where you put your stuff. Uh, one of the quotes our apostle says, whatever has your attention has you. What has your attention? So the church, the cause of the kingdom. I've been raised in destiny now 20 years. I'm 39. Um, how old? 19, 20, yeah, 39. And I've been trained, and as many, as well as many others, we've been fed on the DNA to love God, put him first, take care of the church, do the church, blah, 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 all the stuff. And it's changed my mindset. It's helped me plan better. It's helped me focus. And we're able to do the things that we can do. What's the point of that? It wasn't easy. It never is easy. Remember a couple of weeks, or must be a month now, I said, your life's an uphill battle. It's uphill all the way. Success is uphill all the way. Success isn't like, yay, down. You're climbing a hill. You're running towards a prize. You're trying to get and realize a future up ahead. You're trying to get that today. And it's all uphill. It's all struggle. It's all fight. I'm sorry if you gave your heart to Jesus and they said, God's going to make it all better for you. It is. But before the better, it's hard. And it's hard. And so I want to encourage you, if you can just have the discipline and have the self-control to grab your brain, grab your imagination, grab your tongue, and make it focus. I was going to swear. No, I was going to swear. Focus it on the things that you needed to focus on. Because once you do that, healing becomes normal. Because our mind wanders all the time. Even today, before you came to church, how many things were you thinking about? You know? Because we've got to discipline ourselves. I have to wake up early. I have to pray. It's not because it's a religious hack. It's for me. I've got to go in the middle of the backyard and look at the stars and pray and go, thank the Lord, I'm alive. Pray for you fellas. Pray for the church. Not because I'm a pastor, because I need to do that for me. To help me focus. To help me stay zealous. To help me stay full of fire. To check my heart. Make sure it's full of fires. Fire and not full of liar. You're lying, brother. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. No, I'm not. Stop lying. You're in denial. You've got to work on some stuff. I've got to do some stuff to me. You know what I mean? So be encouraged, church. It's okay to be like that. It's okay to be a part of the church and you're still addicted to me. Everyone's like, whoo. Whoo, lucky. Pastor, can I have a two-tongue bit? No, no, no. Can't get a two-tongue at a patch with meth, but you can still be part of the church. It's okay to be in God and in the church. And, and you know what I mean? It's okay to, to step out to the things of God and the unknown, even though you're not perfect. Turn to your neighbor and go like this. It's okay, you're not perfect. <laughs> then turn to someone else and go, not yet. <laughs> not yet. You haven't seen, hey, hey, Ra, you haven't seen my reps yet? No. Is this the right church? Zeal. It does something to you. 
Man, it's enthusiastic. It's uplifting. My mind's always thinking about the church. Now, yeah, in the early days it was church. Nah, yeah, nah, yeah, yeah, nah. It depends. It depends. It was waffling. But I had to focus it on the church. The church is the people, you guys. Focus on you. No, no, they need to, you know, focus on the kingdom. What's the kingdom? Advancing the tent pegs of God's influence politically. There's a reason why I'm running for, um, what do you call it? Don't even know what I'm running for. No. What am I running for? <laughs> tuki tuki. Yeah, the reason why I'm running for politics is because of zeal. It's not because of my qualifications, because I don't have those. It's, it's not because of my good digger skills, because that's terrible. Those are terrible. And it's not because I know how to lie like politicians. I have, it's, it's hard. I've got to really refrain myself. Half of me wants to, sorry, I'm on camera, I can't say that. Half of me wants to just act as a human. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, what am I saying? Someone says zeal. But the zeal drives me to do things that I shouldn't be doing. In logical sense, pastor shouldn't be running for tuki-tuki. But zeal drives me to. If I don't, no one else is going to. God needs to have a representative. Look to the left. There's no one. Lord, it's me. Let's go. Boom. Someone say zeal. Zeal will cause you to do things 10 times out of 10 you don't want to do. Do you think Jesus wanted to make a whip? Half of you are like, yeah, I'm sure he did. Uh, I'm sure he did. No, he didn't want to make a whip. He got there, it was full of rage and anger. I'm making a whip. Kicked the tables over in the church, boom. He didn't want to do that. He didn't even want to die for you. He said, Lord, man, oh, someone else died. Get Peter. He walked on water. But he knew his purpose. Do you understand? There are things you're going to do that you may not like. But I love my whānau pastor. Sorry, God says. Um, what did he say? <laughs> he says, leave your whānau. It's only for a season. I like my friends. They let me ride their V-rods. You better leave your friends. Especially when they own a V-rod and rent a state house. Anyway, that's another. <laughs> fellas know what I'm talking about, eh? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. That house, uh, brother's not working. <laughs> oh. but I've, I know that's funny, but that's the, that's the story here. This, I'm not mocking that. I'm just using an example. It sounds like mocking, but um, zeal. Someone say zeal. And so when you start to put Christ, the church, the kingdom in the center of your heart, yeah, hey, let's be honest. Sometimes people in the church or along the way of advancing the kingdom or in the cause, Sometimes people on the same side stab you in the back, cut you in the arm, push you over, and have a laugh at you. Okay, that's cruel, but sometimes it happens. It happened to Jesus. Jesus got sold out. My 12 apostles, we're going to change the world. Yes, full well knowing, you in the back, you're going to sell me out for some bit of silver. Jesus knew. You've got to be... You gotta be insightful and understanding to know that your walk, when you start to put God first, the church, the kingdom, yeah, um, it causes funny things to happen around you. 
demons and all that stuff, but it causes funny things to happen around you. So when you start to run for God and you start to stand for Him, and man, all sorts of things will come your way. But it's all designed to sharpen you, to strengthen you, to grow you. Paul the Apostle, all the apostles said it. Count it all joy when you fall into trials and tribulations. Have a laugh. That's what he's saying. How's your day? It's hard and you're crying. Have a laugh, brother. <laughs> it's not what you want to hear, but I had a hard day. Have a laugh. That's not biblical. It's very biblical. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Count it all joy when you're by yourself and uh, you're in man up and your man up captain didn't back you up. Count it all joy. Count it all joy when your pastor hasn't had a cup of tea with you because he's busy standing for tukituki. My pastor's trying to be MP, not look after me. Count it all joy. I'm just giving you an example. Count it all joy when the apostle can't have time with you. And your little heart's going, I just want to have time with the apostle. That might not happen. Count it all joy. Now you might have to clean the church. My first ministry was washing the, the wharepaku in the church. What a wonderful experience. Some people need help in that area. But <laughs> that was there. Oh, I didn't know. Okay, Lord, pray for the church people. Need more potty training. Anyway. <laughs> I was so passionate about that ministry, I built a team. That's what zeal does. The other part of it was, I'm onto it. I don't want to be doing this for ages. Team. Yeah, there we go. Pastor, I built a team. Leadership skills. Graduate to the next ministry. Anyway, someone say zeal. You want to build some zeal in your life, church. Get some passion going. Get some fire going. Get some, talk it up. Know your purpose. Know the cause. Because right now, um, there's a lot of people that actually don't know their purpose. And people that don't know their purpose need to rub up against people that know their purpose. Either you do that, or guess what's going to happen? If you don't know who you are and what you're called to do, you're going to run, rub up against someone who knows themselves and has their purpose, and you might actually get sucked in the vacuum into their cause. I like what the apostle said in 2018. You either have the cause or the B cause. I was like, man, that's awesome. The B cause. Why don't you know why you're here yet? It's a sad day that our children have to grow up not knowing who they are and why they're here. My children know very well because I got the revelation. I heard the apostles say that as a father and a mother, parents, give your children their future. Insecurity would say, no, no, they have to figure it out themselves. The Bible says a good father leaves an inheritance for his children's children's children. Give them their future. Encourage them. You know your gifts and talents in your children. You know the gifts and tal talents in yourself and your siblings. Man, you're really gifted at this, son. That's part of your calling. Say it. Speak over them. You're going to do great things. Am I, Dad? Yes, you are. Will you do any great things? Ooh. Yes, I am. Don't back down and go, no, no, that's just for you. Just go, no, no, no. Dad's going to do 10 times greater things. Put the pressure back on you. Don't say, oh, if God wants me to, son. God, just do it. Go for it. Give them their future. Give, you know, that, yeah, you, right now, there's a whole lot of people, and I'll finish shortly, that give their life to other causes, other visions, other dreams that aren't even godly in the sense of God's wonderful purpose for their life. They don't even equate to anything. 
It's just part of the whanau thing or part of the work thing or part of the wherever the suburb you grow in. Do you know what I mean? And so you've got to have a vision. You've got to have your purpose. And that's why um, having that at the forefront, you know what I'm talking about? Some people have no vision, no cause, no purpose. They don't know that. And so they're always moving through life like a vagabond. They're not fixed. It doesn't mean that um, you stay in one place. That's not what I'm saying. But they're vagabond in their heart because they actually don't know their purpose. They don't know their cause. You can move all over the nation and the world and be totally fine if you know your cause and purpose. And then on the other side, you could be a person that just wanders to and fro because you're still trying to figure it out. The same sort of behavior, but inside it's totally different. Does it make sense? So for us as the church, if anyone should know how to pray, if anyone should know about Christ, if anyone should know about um, God-given purpose and identity, it should be you. And all of Hawke's Bay, or those that are unsaved, they should be able to come to every single one of you and get prayer and get some spiritual wisdom and get a, uh, not a, not a hand up, but right, well, I suppose a hand up, but not a, don't pay their bills, but you know what I mean? It should be all of us. This is a house of leaders. We're not a house that follows. Christ reproduces leaders. Our apostle reproduces leaders. This is a house of leaders. And so in, in your day-to-day stuff, go and lead. Go and be all that you're called to be. Someone say zeal. This is actually the middle name of my youngest son. It's actually Zealand, Justice Jose Zealand. It's going to call him this, actually. Zeal, fire. It's so attractive. Zeal will radicalize your whole life. Zeal will get you to say stuff that you, education-wise, you shouldn't have said. When you rock up to a hui, we've got problems. Fanu, I'm the answer. That's zeal. I've done that heaps. It's fun too. Try it. And then they go, what's the answer? Me. Answer our problems. Next hui. <laughs> Let me do some research. You know what I mean? Do it. Go for it. Life's too short to get all hung up on stuff that holds back your zeal, holds back your passion, keeps you dull-minded. There's heaps of dull-minded out there. That's why they, that's, you want to know why too, why a lot of people go to drugs and alcohol? They're looking for fun. Man, I had some crazy fun when I was drunk and wasted. I don't recommend it. It's very deaf-defying. Defied deaf many times, but what's the point of that? You're looking for a high, right? But when you have zeal, passion, and you're so focused on the cause, trust me, when brothers like that get together, you don't even need to sleep. True story, I've done this many times. When I hang out with certain brothers and we're fired up for the cause, my wife's going, I'm going home at 6 a.m. Yeah, I'll be back there later. Lunchtime that next day. Yeah, brother. So, these fellas are on. What are these fellas smoking? They're smoking the cause. They're zealous. Jesus was the same. They're all just consumed by God. You've got to remember, church. Then I'll finish. Oh, finish. You've got to remember, church. And that's why we've got to keep our heart open and sensitive. Do you know you have a relationship with God? You have a relationship with God. God that created the heavens and the earth is inside of you. But when you get familiar and you, you um, desensitize yourself to that by not keeping your fervency there, your heat, your fire, it gets dull. 
then you do go back to how you were. This, that's amazing. We have a relationship with God. You can do miracles. You can speak in another language that wasn't even taught to you. All these things we can get familiar with. You know, God's Savior, He's given you visions. Even that. You say that to a person out in the world, they'll look at you weird. How's your day? God's been talking to me. <laughs> no one's tried that yet? I do that all the time for a laugh. How's your day, Mike? Oh, me and God were hitting it off. They just crack up and laugh, and then I wait for them, and they, then they start to ask, what's God telling you? And I say, are you sure you want to hear? And then, boom, there's an, ink, there's an opening. Boom, go in. God wants me to tell you about you. You just try. You know what I mean? Work it up. Work up the zeal. Zeal for the church, the cause of the kingdom. And you'll find yourself doing great things. You won't even have to try to do great. That's the funny thing. Everyone always tells me, Pastor, you're doing great. Do you want to know half the time, church? I'm like, am I? I'm just, just doing my thing. I don't even know I'm doing great. I'm just doing my thing. It's not like I'm going to do great. When I was younger, yes. But now I'm in a place, my relationship, where it's just part of the walk. Peter walked on water. It was part of his walk. His shadow cast out demons. It was part of his walk. Paul the apostle's handkerchief touched someone. Demons came out of them. They got healed. It was part of the walk. Found some money in a fish to go pay for their tax. It was part of the walk. That sounds like a cool walk, eh? Ooh. Yeah, that sounds cool. That's what we're part of, church. Our church is a life-changing, transforming, generational church. We're a powerhouse church. It's part of the walk. We get a lot of hate from media. Part of the walk. They hate us as we love the apostle. Part of the walk. Amen. I'm excited. I'm excited, church. You want to be excited about your life. Be excited about what God is doing in your life. And if you don't know, I'm here to tell you, God is doing something in your life. It doesn't look like it, Pastor. He's doing it. He's doing it. Pretty hard to see the Spirit sometimes when you don't know what's going on over there. But God is doing things for you, church. I think that's great. Amen. Hope that helped you. That was it, really. Be zealous. Build it up. Pick it up. Pick up the zeal. Talk it up. Talk it up. Even if your spouse goes, oh, that's enough. Go to them. No, it's not. I'm going to talk more. I'm on fire for Jesus. Start running around. You are the house going, calm down, man. You're scaring the kids. <laughs> At least they're getting scared for zeal. For Jesus. Poor children like, Where's, where's our swearing daddy? Oh, oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> Back to zeal. All right. You right, church? We've got, we got a big mission. Okay. You know, got conference coming up. Next week, we've got the two Tangata riders' fifth birthday. Um, we've got some big things happening. And the only way you're going to get through it sometimes is zeal. Jesus, and even, can I, can I give another hint? Another clue? Sometimes God just lets you by yourself. But what? He does. He's, you're never by yourself, but he leaves you. And so, you know, we've got to stay together. Keep associating. Keep having lunch and this and that and keep doing the thing and go to the man up the legacy. Keep growing. Um, keep your connection to the, our spiritual dad, to the pastors, to, to each other. Because uh, we're on a mission. Our apostle, man, he's under so much attack. Keep praying for them. Apostle and Pastor Hannah. 
you don't take on a nation and principalities just let you do it. You know, they attack you. So keep praying for them. Pray for myself. Back each other up. Back us up. Because, um, you know, I know you're all waiting for me to give you the campaign plans that will come soon. I'm just waiting. Not waiting. I'm just letting the tour do its thing first before we come out and we start moving through the other churches. So very shortly, too, some of the Sundays I won't be here. So we're tuning to the apostles. I'll be going and speaking in other churches, getting their votes. That's zeal. Most people are, oh, he's not even pastoring our church. <laughs> yeah, should I give you a big, I'll give you a promotion. Put your hand on your heart. Ready? Here's a promotion. I'm allowed to give you it. Ready? Lord, I pray. I'm going to pray for you, okay? Lord, I pray for every single person here that they pastor their own life. I pray that they shepherd themselves. Lord, I just pray for every single person here that they have the wisdom and the insight to lead their family. They are the greatest leaders. Father, I thank you, Lord, right now. Pastor of their finances. Pastor of their children. Pastor of their mental wealth. Pastor of their spiritual healing. Father, I just pray for wisdom. Thank you, Lord, for spiritual transfusion. In the name of Jesus. Someone say this. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Church, you have everything you need. Pastor yourself. That doesn't mean I'm not going to pastor you. You always can come up. Always can have a chat. But believe in you. You've got to believe in you. Obviously, don't go around church, town, and go, oh, I'm, I'm an ordained pastor now. <laughs> Show some fruit first, and we'll work on that later. <laughs> like, but honestly, pastor yourself. You need to hear the word of God. Say it to yourself. You're well able. Yes, I am. You can do it. Yes, I am. You can do it. If you need help, we can help you. But church, we're on a mission. We're on a mission. Hey, look, that's us. Thank you for your time. Uh, thank you for continuing. Um, finally, we signed the contract today for the new building. Yeah. Bit of um, table tennis with the lawyers. We finally got it today so we can sign it, which is great. Yay. So uh, we'll take over our new building in two weeks' time. We'll still be here. Um, what does that mean, Pastor? Because we're trying to renovate the other building for us to go in. Okay? So there'll be, um, I'd say in a couple of weeks' time, we'll change our midweek stuff. If you guys want to come along and put your paint on the wall and whatever, um, it's going to be awesome. If you don't know where it is, it's the Cody House. Okay? It's called the Cody House. Please don't go in and say, I'm just checking out our new building. Um, they know Destiny Church is taking it over, which is us in the bay. Uh, down St. Albans, but that's exciting for us, and uh, we have to get a bigger building because you all have too many kids, and, um, but we're expecting to grow, away, eh? And also ground floor, some of our elderly, our komatos, the knees, um, some of you guys, your knees are tired, eh? Some of you fellas coming up the stairs, and so um, that's going to be great. I'm excited for June. That's, that's exciting stuff, and then... Um, We'll do another big event in our new building, eh? Get back to what we do best um, with our events. And then we'll unleash our cam campaign, impact our region, bring Christ back into authority and, yeah, all that stuff. Amen. Amen. Well, that's us. We'll pray. We'll get out of here. But if you want to know Christ or if you want to give your heart back to Christ or whatever, I'll be up here. Um, actually, no, we'll do it this way. Let's just put our hands on our heart. I'll get you to uh, repeat these words after me. This is um, the salvation prayer. 
And um, again, church, just um, we're going to help me out. We'll all repeat these words after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for my life. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. I turn from my old life and I turn to you. Fill me with a new zeal, a new passion for you. Have your way. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Let's put a hand.